0: Come on, man! What are we talking about? Right, right, and wrong. Come on, man! What are we talking about? Right, right, right and wrong. Corn pop was a bad dude. Whoa! Corn pop was a bad dude. Whoa! Come on, man! What are we talking about?
1: Right, right, right and wrong. Come on, man! What are we talking Welcome about? Welcome to right and, right and Wrong. wrong. This is the show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. I'm your host Brian Ruka, and with me, as always, is my man and yours, producer Juice. He's known around the world as the Truth Box because he loves truth and he really, really hates lies. Truth, what do you have to say to the right and wrong audience this week, my man? It's
0: a vow, and it says, "Look, I know that you're trouble. Me too. So we won't leave, no matter what happens." Well, that's a hell of a vow, but that's why it's a vow, right? That's why you take it in front of a bunch of people. That's why it's supposed to be a sacred act. It's like, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Everything is mutable and changeable at any moment. Well, go ahead. You live your life like that and see what you're like when you're 50. Jesus, it's dismal. Two or three divorces, your family's fragmented. You've got no continuity of narrative. And it's not good for the kids, not by any stretch of the imagination. And so it's a form of voluntary enslavement, I suppose, but it's also equivalent to the adoption of a responsibility. And there's more to it than that. If you can't run away, then you can solve your problems because it might be, okay, well, I'm stuck with you. So how about we fix things?
1: Absolutely. Well said, well said as usual. Great job. Keep up the good work there. Well, today, we'll be talking about how House Republicans passed a bill that would nationally protect women from having to compete against men in sports without a single Democrat voting for it. Meanwhile, the state of Washington passed an insane bill that's restricting a parent's right to raise their own children. We'll also check in on Mayor Pete and see what he's considering these days to be racist. And the White House pounces on an opportunity to turn up racial division in the aftermath of a terrible shooting. We'll close our show with a come on, man, segment that will focus on someone from our own side of the aisle for once. So stick around because you don't want to miss that. With that being said, please remember to like and subscribe to the show. Give us a five star review and don't be afraid to leave us a comment over there on Apple. Also, tell, tell your friends and family about us. We'd love to have them join our audience. And now, it's about that time in the show when we get to welcome in our good friend, Mr. Ric Flair, because it is showtime, baby! Woo! Showtime! Woo! 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 I was talking with my wife, the beautiful Miss Ashley, the other day, and we were looking back on our lives together and taking stock of where we are now. And boy, what a journey we've been on. We certainly haven't taken a traditional path to get to this point in our lives, The most obvious example of this was having a child before we were married. When we did get married, it was done on a cruise ship as opposed to inside of a church. We also didn't have established careers. I was a low-level restaurant manager and she was working as a daycare teacher. Neither of us had any real money or possessions. Hell, we still don't, but that's not the point. By today's standards, we were definitely on the younger side of things when we became parents and also when we became a married couple. We're coming up on our 10-year anniversary this June, and we're planning to have a wedding ceremony done within the church to make our love official. I think we finally both know that we want to spend the rest of our lives together now. (laughs) We've come a long way over the past 10 years, but one of the biggest changes has been a return to our faith and a return to our Catholic roots. It's been fun going through the marriage book together and reading through the different Bible passages that we'll have to pick for the ceremony. The prep book is kind of cool because it has a reading followed by an explanation of the reading. There are multiple story options for each reading during Mass, and we get to pick the ones that have the most meaning to us. The explanations will typically make that connection between the story and living your upcoming married life. We were noticing that a lot of the themes focused on things like sacrifice, roles, and duties. There was a story that focused on the obligation to be fruitful and multiply. Another one highlighted the impact that your marriage and your family will have on the community. And pretty much all of them touched on how there will be important work needed to be done outside of the house and also within the house. People don't talk about things like that anymore. I don't think people today even realize that we should think about our marriages in terms like what is my role? What's my duty to my spouse, to my children, to my community? What kind of sacrifices am I agreeing to make in order to fulfill my obligation to this marriage? This whole thought process had me looking back on how people used to date and how they used to get married at much younger ages than we do now. You see, back in the day, people would date in order to get married. Oftentimes, the rest of the family was involved in setting it up somehow as well. Parents would be trying to fix their kids up with the kid from another family that they already knew. This was a way to vouch for the relationship, for lack of a better term. It was also a way to ensure that the the people dating came from like-minded households. Again, oftentimes households that shared the same religious beliefs. As old school as that sounds, it's not the craziest idea if you actually think about it. Nowadays, people aren't even dating each other. They're just cruising through adult childhood and hooking up with or talking to someone else. Usually not even exclusively and definitely not with an eye towards marriage. What changed along the way? Why has our culture gotten to this point? The simplest explanation is that we're all selfish. This country has become so advanced and so prosperous that each generation ends up becoming that much more spoiled and selfish. Think about it. We live in a world where adults in name only are in their mid to late 20s complaining about adulting. When they use the term adulting, they're talking about paying bills, going to work, or cleaning up around their house. It's easy to look back on that age group and cast judgment from where I am now in life. I get that. I was an immature, complete knucklehead in my 20s, too. I had no ambition, no direction, and I was spoiled. You know what changed for me? You know what was a huge wake up call? Becoming a father. My wife and I were given a huge slice of reality and it forced us to start growing up real fast. Know what the first mature adult decision was that we made? We decided to not murder our own child. And honestly, the thought of an abortion was never once even considered or thought of. Me and Ashley ended up growing up with our son. We matured through parenthood. Our marriage grew as our family grew. Me and her developed together, and we built a family and a life together. It's something that we look back on and feel like we were able to accomplish together. But think about what the popular belief is these days. I feel like the world wants you to believe that the way to go is to focus on your own career and your own wealth and your own life before ever thinking of settling down and getting married. Most certainly before ever even thinking of having kids. People these days avoid growing up, avoid getting married, and avoid having kids for as long as they can. They avoid so-called adulting because our culture allows them to. In fact, we encourage them to. Don't know what you want to do for a living? No worries. Keep taking more classes. Can't afford to pay rent while being stuck with massive student loan debt? No worries. Live with mommy and daddy until you're 30. Got pregnant and have no clue how to raise a baby because you still haven't figured out how to care for yourself? No worries, just to have an abortion. How many of the people that had to move back home because it's too expensive out there also have car payments and iPhone 14s? How many people on welfare and food stamps have Xboxes and $200 sneakers? Our societal structure allows people to make immature, lazy, selfish decisions because there are no consequences for bad decisions. Being poor in America is still a pretty comfortable life. This change in behavior can be brought back to how people are discouraged from getting married at young ages. Instead of getting married at 19, 20, or 21, kids are being told to take their time. What's the rush? Sample the field. There are two results that happen with a rise in people waiting until they're in their 30s to get married, and I'd say neither are ideal. The first is the extended adolescence, which I think I covered most of that already. The second is kind of slept on. But if you did manage to actually start to grow up and find yourself, then you already have your own life. You might be thinking, well, yeah, and isn't that a good thing? Yes, it could be. But theoretically, whoever you're marrying at this point in your life also has their own life as well. So when you get married, whose established life are you guys now going to live? His or hers? Whose established career takes precedence? His or hers? What about the possessions that have been individually collected along the way? Are they mine or ours? Think back to the themes in the marriage book that I mentioned. Sacrifice, role, and duty. How much harder are those to determine when you're both established and fully formed adult individuals, as opposed to being two naive young adults trying to figure out who you are? Trying to figure out who you are as an individual? as well as who you are as a family. It's no surprise that these marriage trend changes go hand-in-hand with sky-high divorce rates. And again, this all goes back to a form of selfishness that generations before us didn't have the option to indulge in. Today, people think they need to find themselves or have a few more years of fun before settling down. Those years that could be spent forming your family, and developing your marriage, are traded for a few more years of casual sex and drunken shenanigans. The strongest, most fundamental political group is a family. The bedrock of a family is a marriage. A marriage is the union of man and woman for the purposes of creating and educating the future generation. The left does everything in their power to break up the family unit, right down to the attempts to persuade people to delay or avoid entering into marriages for as long as possible there's a reason for it open your eyes and see it now it's our jobs to try and help and encourage future generations to get married and to grow up and to become adults when they actually become adults again the future of our country depends on this
0: and the thing is is like if you can run away you can't tell each other the truth Because if you tell someone the truth about you and they don't run away, they weren't listening. And so if you don't have someone around that can't run away, then you can't tell them the truth. And so that's part of the purpose of the marriage. It's like, okay, okay, I'll bet on you, you bet on me. It's a losing bet. We both know that. But (laughs) given our current circumstances, we're unlikely to find anyone better. That's for sure. (laughs) You know
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, so it is that time in the show where we're going to focus in on our rights and wrongs of the week. So let's jump right into the topics this week, huh, Juice? What do you say? All right, right off the bat here, number one, first story of the day for us will be this bill that the Democrats just voted against, 100% of them voted against. It passed in the House of Representatives by a Republican-controlled House, and the bill simply prevents men from competing against women in women's sports. Why would all the Democrats vote against this? I mean you know it's the same reason why they do everything they do trying to stir up controversy, uh, pin us against each other, and basically just because they have no soul in their kind of evil people. <laughs> it might be a little harsh, but I don't think I am. I mean, that's kind of crazy if you think about it. What this bill does is simply, Uphold Title IX; those, um, you know, the the laws that were put in place in the '70s to give females civil rights protections, and the Democrats want to remove all of that protection in the name of this radical, crazy transgender um, theory and movement. That's what they're pushing at the moment. That's the um, flavor of the month for them, so to speak. So that's why they're so focused on this and at the root of the problem, they're actually hurting women and females and and degrading women and females, yet they want to try to act like they're protecting them. And it's just completely twisted and backwards. But I just think it was completely telling that all Democrats voted against this. I think it's like 205 members. Every one of them voted against it. You couldn't get one member of the Democratic Party from like a swing state or someone who is a little bit more moderate to vote for this bill. And again, that actually shows the strength of the Democratic Party versus the weakness, for lack of a better way to put it, in the Republican Party. How often when Democrats are in control, do you see a couple of Republican votes get picked off and they end up voting with the Democrats? That never happens the other way around. The Democrats all vote as one block. And they've been consistent with that for a while. So as much as we want to prop up like senators like Joe Manchin, uh, when he kind of breaks from the the norm within their party, it's something that he didn't do when push came to shove. Like he still caved in the end. And that's kind of the story of their party. They always... Vote in numbers where Republicans, you're always going to get those rhino weak types that end up helping the Democrats, and they make the Republican Party the weaker party of the two. That it just, it's like clockwork. So let's go to Congresswoman from Massachusetts, Ayanna Presley, and hear what she had to say about this bill. Juice, you got that clip? All right, lay it on us. Thank you. Arise today in solidarity with our children across the nation. I want to speak plainly to our trans kids. You belong. You are enough. You deserve to show up fully in this world. You deserve joy and every single opportunity. You are perfect just as you are. In the classroom and on the soccer field, you should not be subject to discrimination. You should be able to just be a kid. I will always be in your corner. To anyone who supports this cruel bill, shame on you. You want to advance policy on behalf of our kids? This isn't it. Ban assault weapons so they can live to the last school bell. Get out of your expired. soapbox and stop politicking with our kids' lives. So there you have it, folks. Shame on us for not wanting to cut the genitals off of a 12-year-old boy. Shame on us for not wanting to remove the breasts of a 15-year-old girl. Shame on us for simply wanting kids to accept who they are. You see, the thing is, we see them for who they actually are. You see them as your political prop.
2: Boom, roasted.
1: You want to tell them that they belong, that you accept them, that you love them, and that you see them. No, ma'am, you do not. You see a campaign slogan. You see something to grandstand about. You see something to fundraise on. That's what you see. You see dollar signs when you see these kids.
0: Boom, roasted. We're
1: the ones who see who they are and are trying to help them realize that we're trying to stop the gender denying healthcare that is transgender surgeries and transgender medicines and transgender therapy. You are the one who should be ashamed of yourself and deep down you are the evil one and you will meet your day at some point. You will meet your maker and have to answer for these sins and for the work you've done and will continue to do. When it comes to this issue, I feel completely comfortable answering for how I speak about this issue on Judgment Day. And I don't think you should feel that comfortable.
2: Next. Transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous
0: ideology.
1: This next story here comes from the state of Washington, where they passed a bill to allow medical transgender interventions on minors without parental consent. Wow, that's a big one, huh? On the heels of the story we just talked about, uh, think about what's happening here in the United States of America. And this one really was like like a wake-up call for me. or uh, Not even a wake-up call, obviously, I know what's going on. We're well aware of it. We talk about this almost every week now. But it had me thinking back to a few years ago. I posted something on Facebook and it was being critical of a bill such as this being passed or a law like this being passed in Canada that was removing like a parent's right to say no to transgender surgery on their minor child. And I posted about it and was quite critical of it. And I remember a um, a friend at the time commented on there and was pretty, like, annoyed that I had an opinion about this, saying, why do you care about something going on in Canada? That's not even our country. Uh, this is the hill you're going to die on, like, something along those lines. And I was like, yes, this is. Like, I mean, I don't intend on dying on any hill. Um, I think that phrase is a ridiculous phrase to begin with. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But... My point being, if this is happening in Canada, it's not far or it's not long until it's going to happen here as well. And just because it's happening across the border doesn't mean we should just be okay with it and accept it. It's crazy. So that was my response to the situation. And lo and behold, just a couple of short years later, now that's happening in one of the states here in the United States of America. So. What happened in Washington, I'm going to kind of read through a story here that I have um, from foxnews.com. This act is called, the bill is called an Act Relating to Supporting Youths, and I'm going to sift through here and read to you guys from this. An Act Relating to Supporting Youth allows host homes for runaway youth to house youth without parental permission. Furthermore, the host homes do not need to notify parents about where their kids are or if they are getting medical interventions. If there is a compelling reason not to, which includes a youth seeking protected health services. So theoretically, that could be a runaway getting to this, you know, the the youth home there and seeking an abortion, seeking transgender surgery, seeking all sorts of medical attention. They don't need the parent to agree to it and sign off for it. You need your parent to agree to it and sign off to it to give a kid an aspirin in school. You're going to be able to, a a kid that runs away from their home and ends up in one of these, these houses can now do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Going back to the story, the protected healthcare services included gender affirming care, which for minors included anything prescribed by a doctor to treat dysphoria. Gender affirming treatment can be prescribed to two spirit, transgender, non binary, and other gender diverse individuals, the bill stated. For minors, affirming care typically included puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, and surgeries. All right, so that's kind of the gist of it. And I just think that that is crazy. I know we, again, we touch on this stuff a lot. You guys know where I feel about this. Um, you know how I feel about this. So it's just mind-boggling to think that we're going to allow children that can't consent to buy cigarettes, buy a lottery ticket, buy alcohol, uh, vote, fight for this country. They're not mature enough to do any of that stuff, yet we want to listen to them and give them power, give them control to make life-altering decisions at an age where they're vulnerable, where they're awkward, where they're unsure of themselves. And now we have a state within this country that's actively allowing them to make these decisions without their parents being involved at all in the process. That's some scary stuff, people. That's the government trying to separate children from families. Going back to what we said in the monologue with that family unit being a strong political unit. It is. It absolutely is. And the left is chipping away at that. That's the unit that they've been trying to dismantle for years now. And they've been succeeding at it, slowly but surely. Until eventually, we're going to be living in a world like 1984, where kids are rewarded for ratting on their parents. Remember that in the book? Like, the kids will tell on their parents for being spies and they get rewarded. The parents get removed from the home, no, never to be seen again. That's what we're going to be working on here. That's the the road we're going down. And I don't know how you don't see that. Like, why would you want to give control of your children to the government? And all of the all of the systems in place these days are heading down that road for us. It starts very simply by all the. All the government benefits, the programs, the food, the welfare that you get from the government just for having a child, mainly without a father in the home, for having a child while unmarried. That's where you're able to benefit the most. So they're already caring for the child right when they come out of the womb. They're, they're shouldering the responsibility for that child. It's not a stretch to think that they want to make decisions about where they go to school as well, how they're schooled, what they're taught, when they're in that school. And then they want to be the one who makes that decision about what that child believes they are when they become 13, 14, 15. Are they a boy? Are they a girl? We'll let you decide. We'll let the government decide and back their response. Because we've, the government, have been paying for them their whole lives. So of course we have a say. The government plays that role of like a uh, deadbeat dad or I guess deadbeat would be the dad who's never paying child support, you know, doing all that stuff, abandoning the family. But what about just that, that um, half in, half out kind of dad, the one who's divorced, has his has his girlfriend in his fancy car now, but still pays for, um, you know, pays his child support, pays for things for the children, uh, is constantly being you know, asked by his ex-wife for money for the soccer league, for the basketball team, for this and that and the other thing. You know, that typical stereotype. The government's like that kind of dad. And they're like, oh, what else do you need now? What do you need money for now? And then they want to have a say on the rules that are in place for the child, though. They want to then try and give the mom a hard time about the punishment that she gave them, about the curfew that she sets, or about the bedtime that she holds in her home. When he's not in that home, he's not actively in that house. He abandoned them. He left for his girlfriend and his Ferrari in his midlife crisis. But he still wants to try to have his rules in place. That's like the government with this stuff. They've been sending their money your way, and now they want to have a control over your child and tell you what to do with them, too. And when to remove their penises in their breasts and when they can decide um, they want to be a different gender and stuff because that's normal and that's healthy. I don't think so. And this should scare a lot of people. It should be a wake-up call that now it is in this country. It's not just over up there in turd boys' country in, in Canada. It's now entered into the United States. And it's not going to be long for a state like California to do the same thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Massachusetts tried something like this. So keep your eyes open and please make this be the fight that gets you to leave the Democratic Party if you're still there. Next will convert your children Happens bit by bit,
2: quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice.
1: It. So this next story here we're gonna go to um America's favorite mayor, pothole Pete, Mayor Pete, and wonder about what's going on with the transportation secretary because Lord knows, we always need to know what's going on with America's transportation secretary. Couldn't name you one other transportation secretary in in the history of this country. Yet this guy's constantly popping up, and we know why. Obviously, he's a gay man. That's what gets him so much publicity and press. That's why he's touted all the time. But well, actually, that's not the only reason. The other reason is he's done a terrible job. So trains keep being d- derailed. Uh, transportation um, catastrophes have have been regularly happen happening since Biden took over. Food shortages, um all that type of stuff because we can't keep things moving, we can't keep our transportation under control here in the country and this man's responsible for it. So, he did an interview with race baiter Al Sharpton and it was an interesting conversation and let's hear what Mayor Pete had to say about the road designs in this country. Juice, you got that one? all right lay it on us it is and
2: it's something that deserves more attention which is why i'm working to bring more attention to it we've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in america we lose about 40,000 people every year it's a level that's comparable to gun violence and we see a lot of racial disparities black and brown americans tribal citizens and rural residents much more likely to lose their lives whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that.
1: What? There's a lot of mumbo jumbo there that that guy's talking. The roads are racist. That's his point, right? That's, his, that's the gist of his argument. Roads were designed <laughs> with racist motives involved. So where you put that crosswalk has to do with how you feel about black people, white people, Spanish people, Asian people. Who knows with this guy? Native Americans. And when did the term all of a sudden stop becoming black and brown people? Why is it why they always say that now? It was always just black people. So, I, I'm, I don't know, that one is just, you hear it every single time any race discussions come up. Oh, the the inequities between black and brown people, the disparities within the black and brown community, like, enough already. They're just trying way too hard to stoke racial division. They're at the point now where it's not enough to claim that anybody that voted for Trump is a super ultra mega racist. But now the very road that you drive on is racist by design. That streetlight where it was positioned had racist ulterior motives to it. I mean, what, what's he trying to say? In, in a black community, you press that button for the crosswalk thing and it doesn't, doesn't pop up enough? Or is he, is he kind of thinking along the lines of Creed Bratton from The Office? You press that button and it shows the, the, um, the, the crosswalk thing is, is white. So it's racist. The little animatronic thing that tells you you can cross. Remember, remember that one? Oh man, am I? Is it like bad to be referencing The Office at this point? Has the show been off the air too long now, where the the you know they they don't play like they used to? But remember that time they uh, had the complaint jar, and there was a complaint that said the why is the bathroom whites only? And they were like, huh, when they read it, and Creed was like, the man on the door is white. And it was just like the men where you know, the cutout is standing there on the door and the women has the cutout on the door. They happen to be painted in white. So that was his point. Uh, I just, I always find that one pretty funny. It gave me a good chuckle. But is that what's going on with the roads here? You press the crosswalk thing and, and it lights up with a white cutout. So it's racist. Well, what about the crosswalk itself? It's actually painted white. So does, is that telling the black and brown community that they can't walk on that? It's for whites only? Is that what he means? This guy's absolutely ridiculous. He is in his position to do what he just did in that interview. He can kind of speak well, um, somewhat articulate. The beginning of his response was kind of like Kamala Harris a little bit, where he like repeated the thing and said it like in three different ways without saying anything. But then he kind of caught his groove when he Got into the racial elements of things, but, you know, he looks good in a suit, can carry himself well and do an interview like that, no problem. But actually handle a crisis, actually do his job? Nope, no way. Not happening. But that one just, I had to share that with you guys because where is the world coming to now when our roads, by their very design, happen to be racist? Next
0: just defer to mr mr brown ah oh all right okay first test i will
2: not call you that well it's my name it's not a test
1: okay all right and this last story um is gonna touch on two separate stories that in my mind are the exact same thing that happened and we'll kind of figure out how they were covered by the media and and notice the difference there and it kind of Works perfectly on the heels of the last story we just talked about. So I'm sure by now you guys have all heard uh, the name Ralph Yarrell. That's that young black man who was shot twice for ringing the doorbell of a deranged 82-year-old white man. Uh, Huge story. Absolutely disgusting act by the homeowner. If someone rings his doorbell and he simply just shoots through the door for his doorbell being rung, that's crazy. That's kind of nuts. And rightfully so. People should say that. But that had the elements that really gets the national news media all excited and amped up because they could play a racial narrative with it. The man who was shot, who rang the doorbell, happened to be a black man. The man who shot him for ringing his doorbell was an 82-year-old old man white male so there you have it black men in america just simply aren't safe they get shot for ringing the wrong doorbell these days ralph yarl's parents family have been invited to the white house by president biden president biden specifically has spoken about this issue or not issue this incident now the other story that again i think is the exact same story happened in upstate new york when a 20-year-old woman was shot and killed for turning into the wrong driveway while looking for a friend's house. The woman, Kaylin Gillis, was in her car when she was shot by Kevin Monahan, a 65-year-old white man, because they turned into his driveway, and it was the wrong d- driveway, and they were leaving. The woman who was shot, Gillis, happens to be white. Therefore, no invitation to the White House. No talk about it from President Biden. In and out of the news cycle with the snap of a finger. I guarantee you we won't forget the name Ralph Yarl. And Yarl actually lived, miraculously. He is alive still. So, he is going to be, this. that's going to be his job for the rest of his life. And... If it is, I, I, you know, I hope he does something good with his life. I, I really do. I hope he does. I hope he does some positive work. But the machine, the media, the left, they're going to try to use this young man as a prop for the rest of his life to show everybody the dangers of being a, a young black man in America because white people are out to kill you. And everyone's going to forget that the same week that this happened, a young white woman was shot and killed for doing the same thing that this young black man did. Both people shot by white men. One victim's black, one victim's white. And there's a reason why one of them has reached it up to the White House, and one happens to just be in and out of the news cycle. And if you don't see that, if you can't see that, there's something wrong with you. Like, I don't understand how you don't see the manipulation that's going on with that. I'm not condoning either act of violence. I mean, this could snowball into the next conversation that the left loves to have that we talked about a week ago or two weeks ago when it talks talking about the guns in this country. And, you know, I am a supporter of the Second Amendment. But if somebody wants to argue with you about gun control and gun laws, these are two stories that they could use that are like, look at this, two crazy people that probably shouldn't have guns or two trigger happy men that are shooting for getting their doorbell ring rung or for getting their driveway used as a turnaround. I mean, we all hate when people turn into your driveway to do a U-turn, but can we shoot them over it? I mean, we all hate getting the doorbell rung, but am I going to shoot somebody over it? No, absolutely not. So the gun control thing could definitely be a conversation that people have when they use these two stories. But what's even more of a a drive for the left is the race thing. So they're going to use this story to push their race narrative. First and foremost. And that's why President Unity has decided to invite this family to the White House. Talk about this young man being shot because he really wants to unify the rest of this country. Yeah, right. Give me a break. This guy's a joke. And we all know it. But so many people are afraid to actually say it or see it or I don't know what. I don't know how you can't notice that. But we need to start in simply talking about it. Hopefully, that's the reason why I share the story with you guys here. So hopefully you can you can look up the two stories that I talked about here. And you know, if somebody tries to bring up the the Ralph Yaall story, you can talk about how Kalen Gillis was also shot that same week by a white man for turning into his driveway. Yet, the person who's probably telling you that the country's racist because of this shooting, the first shooting, um, I bet you they don't know a thing about the, the driveway shooting. It's crazy. And two weeks ago in Alabama, a you know, four black men shot and killed on a Saturday night by another black man in and out of the news cycle doesn't make it to the president's desk. He doesn't invite those victims to the White House because it doesn't serve his narrative. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day So that'll do it for the rights and wrongs of the week. Thank you so much for tuning into those. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Five-star review for us. Share us around with a friend. Drop a comment there on the Apple machine if you'd like. And if you ever want to email us, email the show at rightandwrong617 at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. All right, stick around for the come on man segment of the day. That's coming your way next. And uh, that'll do it. Like I said, for the rights and wrongs of the week. Next Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is that time in the show where I'd like you to come in, join me here, take a seat, listen up, gather around the circle, because it is a time for our, come on, man, segment of the day. Not a joke. Yes, my friends, this is the segment in the show where we like to find somebody who says or does something so ridiculous, so absurd, that even though we're going to make fun of them for a couple of minutes here, there's really nothing else we could say to them except, come on, man. So here we have it. For once, in this segment, we're going to get somebody that's from our side of the aisle, so to speak. Who are we going after today? Not a pansexual sixth grade art teacher? Not a lunatic activist turned congressman or woman in the left? Not a transgender influencer? We're going after none other than Donald Trump Jr. What did Don Jr. do? Typically like that man. He usually does some good stuff. His Instagram feed is phenomenal. Um, Quite funny. But I want to hit him this week because I really don't like what he had to say about the whole Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, Dylan Mulvaney type of thing that's been going on. Now, you guys are well aware of this story. We covered it a few weeks ago here on the show. But just to quickly recap, Anheuser-Busch hired Dylan Mulvaney the Man who masquerades as a woman, and they hired him to promote their product, Bud Light. Uh, Mulvaney was granted the, I guess, privilege of having his face uh, imprinted on cans of Bud Light. He did this ridiculous little commercial, love you, okay, uh, on his Instagram or on his social media to try to promote the brand, and that was it. And the right, rightfully. Uh, went nuts about it. We, you know, spoke up about how ridiculous it was. But like, I mean, Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch in general, they've been facing a ton of um, backlash over this. They've lost a boatload of money from what I hear. Um, you know, the, the sales have taken a nosedive since this happened. We've seen videos go around from a concert with like a country music artist that typically... Has a line in his song that says, like, fill my cooler with cold Bud Light. Um, Mid concert changed the word to fill my cooler with cold Coors Light. And the whole crowd cheered him when he did it. Uh, Kid Rock put up a, a video where he just um, shoots like 530 packs of Bud Light. Um, so the backlash has been real. There also was a video that we didn't cover on this show, but The woman who was responsible uh, for the marketing decision was on a podcast before the Dylan Mulvaney partnership talking about how Bud Light, uh, Bud Weiser in general has a frat boy image to it that they need to correct and they're looking to be more inclusive. Uh, She talked about how a Super Bowl ad with a married couple, you know, dancing while having Bud Light was the woman was the focus of the commercial instead of typically the man. And blah, 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 blah. She's now taking a leave of absence from the company. She's out, for more, more or less. Um, I'm sure they're going to spice it up somehow, or she might even play the victim card here. But yeah, she's gone. She's not going to be handling any more ads for Budweiser, Bud Light, and Iser Bush. So the reason why I want to talk about Don Jr., though, is he went on his podcast last week and pretty much what he says here. I'm going to play the clip, but he's calling for conservatives for the right to stop with their boycott of Bud Light now. His whole point being that the point's been made, but uh, let's pump the brakes. So I don't get down with that, Don Jr. I'm sorry, sir, but I don't agree with you. And let's hear what you had to say first so we can react to it. Juice, you got that clip? We've all
2: seen the backlash that Budweiser is facing over the trans marketing scheme. Is this a one-off colossal screw up or is it something bigger? This could be just the act of one rogue, woke lunatic in a marketing department filled with leftist staffers. The Daily Wire is now reporting that no one at the senior level of Anheuser-Busch was aware of the partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. We looked into the political giving and lobbying history of Anheuser-Busch. And guess what? They actually support Republicans. In in woke corporate America, Anheuser-Busch supports Republicans. Last cycle, their employees and their PAC gave about 60% to Republicans and 40% to Democrats.
1: In the very end of that video is the key to everything he was saying there. As my father-in-law likes to say, it's all about the money. And it's so true. He wants to call off the dogs now because the point theoretically has been made, but he wants their money. He wants anheuser Bush's donation dollars for either his dad or, you know, Republican, other Republican politicians. And I'm sorry, my friends, that is the old Republican Party. That's the Republican Party of the Mitt Romney era, the rhino Republicans. Happy to take money from whoever's going to give them money, talk about tax breaks, talk about welfare reform, but stay out of the social issues. Not worth it to fight those fights. That's that mindset there. And I'm sorry, the way back, the way to take back this country is on the social issues, is In the culture. In this right here is a dividing line. You're either on the correct side of the culture movement or you're on the wrong side of it. And Donald Jr. is on the wrong side of things right here. The very reason we should continue to do this is because we've caught their attention. It's working. The woman has been removed from her job, the woman responsible for this. The company is suffering massive losses. In revenue because of it they're panicking and rightfully so that shows you that we have power again that it is working so we don't just call off the dogs and say oh whatever we keep this up until that company specifically says that was wrong that they did that they do not believe that men can become women Make them own that. Make them say that. And I'll think about having a Budweiser or a Bud Light again. Actually, I probably won't have a Bud Light. I really don't like Bud Light. Uh, and it's not because I'm a bear snob or anything like that. I drink Miller Light. Let's go. And it's delicious. I love it. But it's a pretty standard beer. I'm not uh I'm not like one of these craft beer kind of guys. So I don't mean to say that I don't drink Bud Light because I'm just a snob and I'm above it. That's not true. I just don't like it, and it was easy for me to not drink that product. What's going to be tough is passing on a Landshark over the summer. I love a good Landshark. Passing on a Stella. I'm a big fan of a Stella. Ew.
0: Stella!
1: <laughs> but I will, and I'm not going to have any any more of either of those brands. Until I hear from this company that they shouldn't have partnered with Dylan Mulvaney because he's a man dressed as a woman pretending to be a woman. Take a stand and say that. The statement that came out from like their, their CEO was a joke. He didn't say anything. He did a, um, he did a Kamala Harris The thing about problems and boycotts are that you get boycotted and you're in the news for all the wrong reasons. And we just drink beer here. We like beer. We like people. We like all people. And we like all people to get along with all people and enjoy a special beer with each other and bring them together. So we don't mean to hurt anybody on this side or that side or you're wrong or you're right. That's just what it is. Have a beer with us because we're Anheuser-Busch. I don't even know who I was trying to talk like there. That wasn't quite a Carmela Harris. That wasn't the CEO of the company. That was just um I don't know. The fact that Donald Trump Jr. wants to call off the um you know, call off the fight now that we're actually winning is alarming to me. And it's a window into the way that some of these establishment kind of people think and it's weird because he's not an establishment politician, but he's an establishment businessman. And so, you know, he he has that mindset of money and, and he's thinking about it that way from a corporate point of view. And the reason why we're able to get their attention is because they do donate to Republican causes like he was mentioning. And he does mention that they that, that they back Republican candidates. That's great. But that's why we can get their attention. You know, the point has been made, um, but a company like Nike, who also partnered with Dylan Mulvaney, they donate to Democrats at about a 90, 95 percent clip. They want nothing to do with Republicans anyway, so they don't care if you boycott them. It's not going to affect them. They're not they're not selling to you as a, as a Republican. Their market, their they you know, the people they're focused on are left wing activists or. Um, you know, just people that are already on the left. That's who buys Nike products. You know, or they're just such a big company that that they kind of get people from everywhere, too. Like, all all walks of life. But uh, people that drink Budweiser, Bud Light and stuff, they're people you could actually, you know, affect with a boycott like this. So that's why Anheuser-Busch is actually the perfect company to attack this way and to go after and to make them feel it in the wallet, because it, it, it can actually affect them, where, again, like I said, I, I don't think we could affect Nike all that much. Um, I think they could just brush us off, where Anheuser-Busch clearly cannot. So we have to keep it up. Don't let this one die. This is one of those ones where I'm telling you, by the 4th of July, right now it's mid. it's almost end of April, by the 4th of July... I want this to still be a thing where Bud Light's not being bought, where people are avoiding that brand, where people are avoiding the other brands that Anheuser-Busch sells. That, to me, will tell me that this is still effective, that that we did the right thing. If we get to to the 4th of July and this is forgotten about and everyone's back to normal, then it was all for nothing. It was a small window, but it shows that they just have to weather the storm and, and they'll be okay on the backside of it. We want to show them that this is just not okay, period. It won't be okay. And they're never getting us back unless they come out with a statement talking about how they misunderstood what was going on. They don't think that men can become women. And they're sorry for um, partnering with Dylan Mulvaney. Then I'll think about coming back to the brand. Other than that, I'm out for life real man of genius. All right. I guess I've said enough about this topic that kind of covers my thoughts on it. So Donald Trump Jr. You, my friend, have earned yourself one big fat classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you folks so much for showing up and listening to us this week. As I said earlier, please give us a like subscribe and drop us a five-star review Everywhere you get our podcast. And uh, until next week, thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.